everyone. My name is Haley, and I'm your host for Straight Talk with the Doc, a podcast where I dive into topics on addiction, mental health, and treatment with addiction medicine specialist, Dr. Bott. How are you doing, Dr. Bott? Good, Haley. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And I'm excited to get into today's topic because it's something that so many of us can relate to, whether we were directly affected or knew someone who's been affected. In 2019, there were over 19 million people enrolled in colleges across the country. There's a huge range in the age of students, but the majority of college students are in their early 20s. The start of college is a huge shift in responsibility and freedom, as many people are living on their own for the first time and making their own decisions. This is a time for self-discovery and experimenting. And it's no secret that this is when a lot of young people start experimenting with drugs and alcohol. So in today's episode, we're going to get into college substance abuse. Should it be considered a normal part of life? And if so, when does it become a problem? Dr. Bott, research shows that most young adults start using alcohol and smoking cigarettes at age 17 and first try drugs like cocaine at 19. Why do people start experimenting with drugs at that age or even younger? I think what we've seen in the last many years, and there's a lot of studies done um, annually, National Institute on Drug Abuse does a lot of very robust studies on um on, on people above the age of 12. And we've seen a, a trend, actually a positive trend, in that um, we have seen the onset or the first use of drugs and alcohol starting to be delayed. Now, why do people use in the first place? That's, you know, as we are young, we start to experiment in many things in life. And uh, especially if you're leaving home for the first time, as you mentioned at the outset, that's a time of freedom. There's a time of being influenced around other peers. And, you know, young people start with risk-taking behaviors, and often it is experimentation to start with drugs or alcohol. The irony is becoming is when these, these experimentations turn into um, chronic usage, where we can see a plethora of problems that will ultimately arise. But, um, yeah, it, young adulthood, um, teenage, adolescent years, even beforehand, it's a time for us to experiment with many, many things in life. And unfortunately, drugs and alcohol are part of it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like a lot of young people do that. Because of that, should substance abuse in college ever be considered normal? You know, is that okay? I think the word normal can be misleading versus it's prevalent and it's there and it's often common. So I don't believe normal should be the, uh, you know, can be interpreted as okay. So just because something's present and, and, and happening often doesn't mean it's okay to do. Because unfortunately, with, with chronic usage or even incidental usage, if it causes you to lose control, or and, and I, we all know substance use can hijack the way we behave and uh, act, make us act in ways that we normally wouldn't. And with a lot of negative consequences come as a, as a, as a, as a result of using. So the, the bottom line is I don't believe we should consider it normal, especially because you're drinking at an age that's not even legal. Often people, you know, in college are 18, 19, 20 years old, and that's not even um, the age you're even allowed to use alcohol. And again, other drugs are illegal in general. So, um, you know, at no point I think that the prevalence 
should be interpreted as condoning it as something that's normal. But unfortunately, does it happen? Yes, it does. So where would you kind of draw that line between, you know, somebody kind of experimenting with alcohol a little bit when they start college, you know, kind of like, you know, a typical behavior um, to an addiction, you know, where's that line? Because I guess somebody could, you know, maybe miss class because they drank the night before, you know, where's that line between that and then a real problem? I think we, we, we use the same criteria we do when we talk about defining substance use disorders in general. When we start to see a pattern, when a pattern of substance use becomes so persistent or so prevalent that it starts to um, predominate somebody's life, and I hate to sound so alliterative with all the Ps, but uh, when it starts to cross boundaries, where it starts to impair um, your functioning, where you start to fail out in school, where your health gets affected, where legal consequences could arise, where your relationships start to get compromised. So the same way that we look at as addiction or, or classify substance use disorder um, in the general population would apply to somebody going beyond experimentation and crossing that, that, that line into uh, an actual disorder. Yeah, I read that the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism states that 9% of college students meet the criteria for an alcohol use disorder. Could this number be much higher in reality? When we do a lot of studies, yeah, we often capture just the people who participate. So those who don't participate are excluded. So by virtue of just looking at it that way, yeah, could it possibly be higher? Of course. So, um, you know, that's something to, to really consider. But uh, I think the point is, is like, how can we address this? How can we look at the percentage of the population in college or young adults, or even let's start earlier, adolescents and teenage years? How can we stop them from using it? And, and I think that um, the, the public service campaigns that have been out there, just the con constant um, education that comes out of um, different types of commercials that we see, and stuff that's going on on the college campuses itself in terms of preventing people from using in the first place, those things have actually started to take traction. So those are positive things. And those are things that we think that I think we need to focus on. Yeah, and um, that's good to hear. And that was actually kind of my next question. I was seeing that uh, 1500 college students die from alcohol related injuries each year, you know, but like, how can we make young adults take this information seriously? Well, again, you know, to, to take it seriously, often for many people, it's, it's, it's the result of the negative consequences that occurred when they hit rock bottom, when you develop a substance use disorder, when something bad happens to them. But the point is the consistent and, um, you know, repetitive messaging and, and, and to do it in a way that's not like judgmental and not to be punitive, but again, making it age-related, age-sensible, and something that people can understand. And, 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 and again, it is taking traction, especially with certain um, delays that we're seeing in the onset of the, like the, what you mentioned. Um, you know, the ages that you mentioned of when somebody first uses alcohol, it, it's, 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 it's gone back a year. And um, when somebody's using cocaine, that's also gone back a year. So obviously, whatever campaigns that have been done, um, primary preventions, public service announcement, college education, these things are working. And so we just got to be consistent in uh, continuing this. I also I want to talk about kind of just the other risky situations that substance abuse can 
kind of put students in, you know, you hear a lot about that in cases of sexual assault or just assault in general. Can you kind of talk on that a little bit? Yeah, this is sad. You know, um, college campuses having to increase policing, uh, security, lighting, because some campuses are so huge, especially when you live on campus and you're crossing at, at various times of the day. And um, assaults can occur. And it's unfortunate that we have to think in a civilized society like this that we have to worry about these type of things. Um, and especially on college campuses where people are, you know, there to receive an education. So you would think that there's a level of sophistication that should be occurring. When you mix drugs and alcohol, you're impairing people's judgment. You're impairing people's impulses. You're impairing people who may be committing the act, but impairing people who could defend themselves upon getting acted upon. So, or put themselves in precarious situations. Again, not putting any blame on them, but maybe not being as vigilant enough to maybe see a warning sign. So, you know, people drinking, unfortunately, they take risky behaviors on. And you see a lot of motor vehicle accidents that are happening, um, which result not only in physical disability, but uh, death. But we do see the sexual assaults and physical assaults, people getting into bar fights, people getting uh, raped. And um, people then ultimately having um, not only medical and physical and psychological problems, but then even if they're not even in those situations that they start failing out of school and having academic problems and um, ultimately uh, maybe developing a substance use disorder in, in, in for the long haul. And um, obviously, we want to prevent all of these things. I also kind of want to talk about the demographics. You know, are some groups more at risk than others? You know, men, women. You also hear a lot of stuff about, you know, Greek life, uh, fraternities and sororities. You know, we've seen when, when some of these surveys are done, we do see, you know, males having a, a slightly higher incidence and prevalence in, in substance use. In, in When we're talking about substance use in general, you know, um, yeah, I'm being in a fraternity or being maybe in, in a sorority or, or being in any group. Let's let me just say that because I don't want to call out the, the you know, uh, the, the fraternal or sorority uh, life uh, in this situation. But yeah, being around a group of people, your peers, everybody's together doing something. There's it's 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 an increase in the likelihood that you're going to participate in this because we are a product of our environment. So, yeah, you know, also younger people have shown right now to not be as, uh, you know, not experimenting as much. So some of these older folks, um, the, the people that are now 21 of age and they're in that system or with that group that is using um, in higher incidences. Um, yeah, these are the populations that we're seeing that are using a lot. Uh, people who might have co-occurring um, genetic um, predispositions to this, uh, they might start to drink more robustly. Those who might have drank earlier than college or used drugs earlier than college. And again, I don't want them to keep using the word drinking because we're talking about drugs in general. Yeah, they're going to consistently use as they get into college. Um, so, you know, th there's a lot of risk factors are there. You know, the presence or absence of any underlying mental health conditions, people who might have any physical ailments, you know, all of these people are at risk for abusing or using substances. But again, you know, the environments that you just mentioned, um, like Greek life and all that, yeah, that can contribute. What would your advice be to a college student who is feeling pressured to use drugs or alcohol and they feel that they're not going to fit in if they don't participate? 
I really would try and seek some counseling or help because, uh, you know, luckily on many, many, nearly most college campuses, there are um, student mental health services that you can go and speak with somebody. It's best to get professional help and assistance, not to feel alone. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, it would sound very generic for me to say, you know, go out and get help and talk to somebody and don't feel pressured because, you know, there's so many negative things that can happen. But at the same time, you know, is there a normal experimentation that's going to occur? And and so um, how would we know if that person who's going to experiment is going to turn into somebody who's going to end up having a disorder? And being that we can't determine this on this podcast, it's best that my first advice um, would be the, the most accurate one is to go and speak with somebody that um, can actually evaluate with you or look at your whole um you know, comprehensive uh, life and and make an assessment of it to see what risks are there, what support might be out there, because they're actually abstinence groups on many college campuses that you can don't have to be associating with the people that are using, but actually get support from people who are strong in their sobriety and solid in their sobriety and, uh, you know, get a lot of support from them. So there are resources out there, and I would go ahead and, and, and seek them out. Usually it's in the student services or student counseling centers. Okay, perfect. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's great advice. Um, another advice question. What if someone's friend is abusing drugs, and they want to help them, but they're worried about getting them in trouble you know, at the school or with their parents? Like, What can they do? Luckily, you know, um, first and foremost, seeking, even if you're underage, seeking help or assistance or treatment you know, that's protected, it's, it's confidential, even as a minor um, with substance abuse and mental health problems, um, you know, in most places. And, uh, but not coming across as judgmental. Look, one of the biggest things that people, once they do develop a problem, is that they're often not in recognition of it and their defenses go up. And one of the most common defenses that we see is denial. So if you come really aggressively at somebody, you know, or, in a way that sounds offensive to them, um, they can get very defensive. Uh, they can deny the problem and it can actually ruin your relationship. You know, you're looking out for your, your loved one or your friend and, you know, um, it, it backfires on you. So the first thing I would say is, you know, try not to be judgmental and, and be honest about a concern that you have, but don't do it when they're intoxicated. Don't do it when they're under the influence because you're not going to be speaking to a person who has the ability to think rationally at that moment. So um, pick a pick a point in time, you know, uh, where you can speak to them uh, without being judgmental, without them being intoxicated, and 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 not coming across aside from just being supportive and and concerned that you, you you're worrying about them and that you you care about them and like disclaim that up front and that's why you're having that conversation. Um, beyond that, often, you know, um, guiding them to, if they don't want to talk to you or don't want to explore this, maybe go and have somebody else make it a determination um, and, and make an assessment. And again, that goes back to the student services and uh, the, the counseling centers that often exist on campus. And then often having the friend not speak to the, the person that they worry about directly, but going to the counseling center and sharing that anonymously first to see if there's there's interventions available on campus that might be able to um, 
you know, have somebody go out and speak with them uh, and, and, and guide them on a more intimate and professional route. So, um, you know, that would be my feedback right now, um, just speaking to the, the general audience on, you know, how I would approach it. And my last question, I think a lot of our uh, potential listeners to this episode might be parents who are concerned about, you know, their child. How can parents talk about substance abuse in a realistic way with their kids when they're heading off for college? You know, an honest conversation, it's it's the best one. You know, um, often without projecting a lot of previous histories, a lot of times, you know, we carry a lot of baggage with us. So if, if, the, if the conversation's coming loaded because of a family history of substance abuse and all that, sometimes it can come across as, um, you know, a- accusatory versus supportive. But, you know, being honest, being, being aware that this is, poss- is going to be something they're going to come across and just trying to provide support and education um, that, you know, hey, there are negative consequences to this. And if you are going to, you know, experiment or if they are close to, you know, uh, drinking age or legal age, at least to consume alcohol, not to drink and drive, to reach out to them or to have, you know, a designated driver to, you know, look at look at those practical aspects because people are going to go and drink and especially when they come of age. So to, to, to be safe and, and then also to, to just, you know, reach out for help. And, and talk about the services that could be available on campus if they find themselves in a dilemma where they feel pressured to do something. Um, because, you know, the realistic part of it is, like I said, we don't want to call this normal, but we have to understand that there is going to be um, people who are going to start to be using stuff and be tempted to use it just due to the environment that they're in and that the age group that they're with. So, um without being uh, judgmental, without sounding accusatory, being supportive and telling them that they know that this is something they're going to come across and that to be safe and that they're concerned about them and that they're available to them if they, you know, find themselves in a precarious situation. And um, usually that's a very good approach, um, especially for somebody that doesn't have a problem yet. And usually if you've, you've been around your child and you've supported and cultivated your child in a way, you, you, this is not the first time you hopefully are having a difficult conversation. So um, as long as you take it and be open-minded, um, usually you're, you're going to get a, a good response uh, from your kid. And um, yeah, I, I, would, I would start like that. Okay, perfect. So really just you know, keeping that open communication, no judgment. All right. Um, Dr. Bot, is there anything that we didn't go over that you think people should know? Ultimately, the earlier somebody uses, is it's a huge risk factor. I mean, when we talk about substance use disorders in general, we've seen this happening, especially with the opioid epidemic and uh, the fact that so many overdoses are occurring um, in the nation, especially during this time of the pandemic. You know, the unfortunate part is a lot of drug use and substance abuse is rooted um, in, in with people that used early. And uh, if we can avoid or delay, we can delay the effects on um, mental health issues, uh, physical issues, the development of neuro or cognitive disorders, uh, physical uh, accidents that could, that could occur, and the ultimate development of addiction. 
you know, our brain's still developing from, you know, 13 to 22 in many different um, important areas of the brain that control our judgment, uh, impulses, concentration, attention, our executive functioning is if I can just, you know, be concise with that. So, you know, the, the, the better we can control our first attempts at using any substances, um, the better off we're going to be. And we can avoid long-term consequences. And uh, really, that would be my most um, poignant message that I could I could leave at the end of this podcast. Um, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about substance abuse in college, go to addictioncenter.com where you can get more information and access to resources. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.